Hello, hello, hello. What's up, everybody? This is Supriya Mehra, your mortgage advisor, and you're listening to the Canadian Real Estate 101 podcast. More people than ever are building generational wealth through real estate. And on this show, I sit down with some of the top real estate agents, lawyers, accountants, and investors to discuss the ideas, the opportunities, and the strategies that they are taking advantage of so the rest of us can do the same. Are you considering buying your dream home or exploring investment opportunities in the real estate market in 2024? Navigating the complexities of property acquisition can be very challenging, and especially for next year. And that's why I want to offer you a chance to schedule a one-on-one call on uh, what's in it for you. Well, you'll be getting personalized advice on the best strategies for purchasing an investment property or your primary residence in 2024. Along with that, insights into the current real estate market trends and predictions for the upcoming year. And last but not the least, tailored recommendations based on your unique goals and financial situation. What you have to do is simply click on the calendar link provided on the show notes and book your complimentary consultation. Welcome to another episode of Canadian Real Estate 101 podcast. I'm your host, Supriya Mehra. And today we have an amazing guest joining us today, Daniel St. Jean. Daniel is not just a seasoned realtor. He is a savvy investor and a business owner himself with a wealth of experience in the world of real estate and entrepreneurship. But before we start the show, quick information about a free resource that's available on the show notes. I have included for you a 32-page mortgage guide along with a pre-approval checklist when buying your first home or your first investment property. If you want to learn more about any or both of these items, simply go to the show notes and download a copy for yourself. Now, let's talk about the show, the guest. In this episode, we will be delving into Daniel's incredible journey, exploring his years of experience as a business owner and how he has shaped his approach to real estate investing. From his roots as a realtor to his current ventures in the beautiful landscapes of Costa Rica, Daniel has a wealth of knowledge to share. Join us to uncover the secrets behind Daniel's success in different projects across Costa Rica, what drew him to a unique market that's something specifically I was curious about, And what lessons can be gleaned from his experience as both a realtor and an investor? So sit back, relax, and let's start on this exciting journey with Daniel. Hello, Daniel. Thank you so much for joining me today at Canadian Real Estate 101 Podcast. How are you? I am fine. How about you? I am doing fantastic. I'm doing great. Good energy. So I'm really pumped to hear what we are going to dive into today. So really appreciate your time. Uh, Before we get into the today's topic, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, who you help these days? Um, I've been, the last time that I um, received a a paycheck, meaning somebody taking UIC or CPP from money from me was... uh, 1986. So basically, okay. for almost, almost 40 years now, I have been an entrepreneur and my wife, for her, that goes back to 1981. So 
we are 100% unemployable. So it's a good thing that we, uh, we own our own businesses as I, I don't take orders very well. <laughs> um, and, and from 86 to 2010, all kinds of uh, businesses that are not uh, relevant to what we are talking about today. But while we lived in Ottawa, my wife and I in 19, in, in, in the, um, in early 2000, we were making our money from living in Ottawa. I was a consulting consultant for the government, federal government. All my, my, my clients were in Ottawa and she was high tech a consultant and all her clients were in Ottawa. But then one day she decided that she wanted to get her license as a winemaker. She's always been uh, a wine aficionado and, and the course is in Niagara-on-the-Lake. So we had a choice here. I let her go to Niagara-on-the-Lake for two years and I stay in Ottawa or we move to Niagara-on-the-Lake, which I've always wanted to live here anyway. So after about 60 seconds of discussion here, we decided to move to here. But what do we do for money? I mean, our money is tied to Ottawa. So what do we do? And you know, sometimes when you put something out in the universe, it, it as a way of answering, two days after that conversation, a friend of Laurel calls and says, um, I am taking this weekend course there with uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, you know, and that's $500 for two tickets. Uh, would you like to split it and come? So I said, yeah, sure. Went Friday, Saturday, Sunday. By Sunday night, the answer to our uh, questions was answered. We're going into real estate because we can do that from anywhere. And we're going to use the uh, rent to own strategy because that really appealed to me. That was it. And then, um, so we started to do that in 2010 and three and a half years later, we were making enough money monthly, uh, enough month cash flow monthly that we were able to leave Ottawa and move to Niagara on the Lake. So we've been doing real estate since 2010. Uh, which is now what, 13 years? That That's basically what we've done. Um, in those 13 years, we acquired 63 properties. Um, 11 of them were for buy and hold right here in Niagara-on-the-Lake, uh, executive rental. And the other ones were all um, rent to own. And as of right now, while I'm talking with you, we still have four rent to own and five buy and hold. But for the last year and a half now, we have, we're not adding to the portfolio. We're, we're reducing the portfolio because we're really more interested in investing outside the country. Okay. That's fantastic. That's really nice to know uh, that you grew to that level, but now you have a strategy that is slightly different because I find that every seven to 10 years, your strategy does change in real estate or in business for that matter, right? Things change, you find new opportunities, you grow, your uh, risk tolerance might change as well. Your current situation changes, so your strategy changes accordingly. So my next question is, why outside of Canada or why international destinations? Like what triggered, what opportunities you found that made you kind of take that decision? Okay, let me rephrase um, what I just said, and that will answer your question. I'm not interested in investing outside Canada as such. I'm interested in investing in Costa Rica. That happens to be outside the country, but that narrows it down to Costa Rica. I get invitations all the time to invest in Mexico, in, in um, uh, other countries, Dubai. I mean, we have, there's some really good deals going on in Dubai and, and, right. and all kinds of places like that. But you know what? 
We are absolutely in love with Costa Rica. We are incorporated in Costa Rica. We have an accountant, a lawyer, a, an insurance broker, everything, bank account in Costa Rica. So we do business in Costa Rica as if we were established there. Um, we have friends there. We have developer, builder, all kinds of people there. And uh, we go there as often as we can. The only quote unquote negative about Costa Rica is that there is no wine industry there. So that's, yeah, it's really too bad for my wife, but uh, that's okay. We make up for it by going to Europe whenever we can. Yeah, that's, that's a good trade-off. Now, why Costa Rica? Like, is that something personal that you guys uh, love it? You enjoy it? What is the reason behind specifically Costa Rica? Well, it's the best of all the world because, I mean, the opportunities are absolutely crazy in Costa Rica right now. Um, they're adding another airport. They double the size of one of the airports over the last few years. They're adding another airport to uh, handle international traffic. Four Season is building resort there, Planet Hollywood, Waldorf Astoria. There's a Dubai group that's building a $70 million big developments in Costa Rica from everybody around the world. When you're sitting there and you're going, okay, of all the places they could go, and why would these consortium decide all of a sudden that Costa Rica is the place to invest 50, 150 million dollars. They have way more ways of doing research and marketing and whatever. And if they're going there, there's got to be something that maybe not everybody is aware of and I'm going there as well. So, and on top of that, the weather, the culture, the, uh, the food, the people, uh, it's really, 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 really safe. There is no cartel in Costa Rica. Uh, with next, yeah, there's no army in Costa Rica since 1948. That means there's not going to be a coup like in Chile or some of these places there where all of a sudden you have, all your investments are gone because the army took over and now it's no longer a democracy. All of these things play a role. English is the second language there. So everybody we deal with, our lawyers or everybody speaks fluent English. We go and we sit there at the table with our uh, lawyers. Put all of that together and it's like, why not? <laughs> I get it. Yeah, I get it. Now, if I look in my mind, I'm trying to imagine the map or trying to remember the map of Costa Rica. Uh, you have San Jose, which is their capital. And then you have the Arenal area where there's a volcano and stuff. And then there's uh, oceans on the eastern and the western side of the country. Yes. Which areas do you, based on your research, is there a specific area that the development is growing? I know San Jose was growing quite a bit along with the Western Coast, as far as I remember. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. What more information can you share in terms of geographically specific areas? Yes, you're correct. So on the West Coast, on the West side of um, Costa Rica is what's called the Nicoya Peninsula. And all of our developments right now, and we are, um, we're, we're, we're partnered with a developer and a builder in eight developments. They're all on the West Coast. And coincidentally, coincidentally, <laughs> if I can call it that, all the developments I talked about earlier from all of those international consortiums are all on the West Coast as well. All okay. right around Tamarindo, Liberia on the West Coast, a little further up north or, or yeah. Um, again, in the Nicoya Peninsula, that is the place to be. Okay. And the new airport that you mentioned about that's coming, is that on the West Coast as well? That there yes, it's on, 
it's on the west coast. It's going to be south of uh, of San Jose, very close to the border of the next country there, which I believe is Panama, right? Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Nicaragua at the top, Panama at the bottom. And, yes. Yeah, Panama at the bottom. Now let's talk about some projects or some developments that are coming up. Um, to say, for example, a decent project, a two-bedroom or a three-bedroom, somebody is looking to buy for themselves, but they don't see the retirement happening for another 15, 20 years. Um, are there opportunities to SDR for uh, short-term rentals over there, Airbnb and stuff? Uh, are there yes, any regulations against that? How does that work? Yes, whatever you know about short-term rentals for, say, Ontario, forget it. I mean, this has nothing to do, there's nothing like that over there. There is no no restriction whatsoever on any of the Airbnb or, or anything like that. The country is open for business. The country wants visitors. The country wants investors. The country wants tourists. So they're not going to start saying no Airbnb and no this and no that, nothing like that. And every project that we are involved in, all of them have a management company where, for example, we ourselves have some units that are being built right now, and we're going to pay a monthly fee for a management company. They're going to be advertising. They're going to be promoting. They're going to be getting the people in. They're going to be taking care of our visitors. They're going to be taking people out. They're going to be cleaning the plate. They're going to replace the broken cup and the missing knife. They're going to pay the taxes that are due to the city or the, the county, and then they're going to put the rest in our bank account. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> so. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now let's talk about a bit of numbers in terms of uh, purchase price for some of these projects. Uh, what does that look like? And what is the rental and what's the ROI at the end of the day for some of these projects? So let's talk about the Riverland where we have, Four houses being built right now. We're going to be buying them for, well, we bought them in 2021. So we paid $295. And right now, if you went and decided to buy one of the remaining units, you'd pay $495. So this is pretty good. They're not even built yet. And we've already made $200,000 US. And when when they look at the projection and they look at the, uh, the rentals in the area and the amounts and everything, at the end of the year, I, I don't know the percentage in ROI, but I know that for each unit, we should be putting about thirty to forty thousand US in in our bank account net at the end of the year. Okay, that's quite good. And sorry, I just want to clarify something. So you said two ninety five k that you bought in twenty twenty one. Was that the price for the land only, or was that the construction and everything end to end that would be your cost? Yeah. Um, in that particular project, we will own the house, the two-story house, and then we will also own, we will also have title to the land. So basically, this is almost the same as buying a house in somewhere in a suburb in, 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 in Ontario somewhere. Now, it really varies from, from, from part of the, of the county, from the project. Some projects, we are only... Um, the land is only available on a 99-year lease, which will probably outlive most of the people who will buy the houses. And, and some places you have titles, some you don't. It, so it, it really varies from project to project. It's not uniform like it is here, for example, in Ontario. Right. Okay, fair enough. Are there any opportunities to finance these projects? Because if you're looking for half a million now for USD, that is, uh, 
for a decent property. I'm sure there's other options available as well. And depending on the development, depending upon the location, everything, price will probably vary. But in terms of financing, how does that work? Like, is it similar to how we have in Canada that you put something down and then you get a financing loan? How does that work? Um, there are, again, again, it depends on the project. It depends on the developer. It depends on, on the builder. There is no uh, one size fit all here. So, for example, the ones we have in Riverland, we had to put 30% down and we are going to get 70% financing done through private lender who is associated with the developer. But in other places, it's you got to pay the whole amount. However, when I say pay the whole amount, um, in one place, we have a condo in, uh, in Los Delfines that we bought for 141000 um U.S. So... Yes, it's a lot of money for many people, but for other people, 141,000 US, you can buy the whole thing cash. And then, um, of course, your return will be much higher because there's no financing or anything like that. So again, project to project, builder, developer um, to developer, it, it, it varies. There's a lot. That's why when you're going to be um, investing in Costa Rica, you got to do a little research and due diligence depending on what you're looking for, what what you've got, what you, what's available, what your credit, can you get a line of credit, et cetera, et cetera, because there's a whole variety of ways to buy and finance. Right. The reason I know about this financing and stuff is uh, we helped a couple of clients. They were located in Canada. They refinanced their homes. They pulled out whatever equity they needed, either through line of credit or a mortgage, since they knew that it's going to be a long-term thing. And they put more than required down, like say, for example, 70% down. And then the balance was financed through the development project, uh, exactly how you mentioned through a private lender that was linked to the developer over there. And yeah, they um, are kind of not nomads necessarily, but they live, you know, three months, four months out of a year over there. And then rest of the months are being leveraged as an SDR. Um, so that way they can, you know, get the both best of both. Yep, yep. Yes. Yeah. And again, wide range of, of, of opportunities and wide range of, of financing and prices and returns and yep. Great. Okay. Perfect. Sounds good. Um, any final thoughts that you want to share, um, Daniel regarding if you have any projects in Costa Rica that you would like to kind of mention about any advice if somebody's looking to explore Costa Rica as an option? Yes. So those eight development projects that I'm where I'm a partner in, right now we are um, raising funds weekly. Um, but And this is something really in interesting. Give me a minute here to, to, to share this because okay. we're not showing people houses that they will buy. Right now we are, the, the developer is borrowing money. It's a loan from an investor, it, it pays 15% annual interest. It pays 3% lender fee at the end. Most of the projects are for 12 months. Minimum is $25,000 Canadian. And everything is done in Canada. That's, that's the very important part here. Is that, in other words, remember I, I told you that we've, we've started real estate 13 years ago. When we decided to buy those houses here in, in Niagara on the Lake, that was 2014. The year before, for that, for this particular project, we started a company, 879-5436 Canada Inc. Well, 
that company is the company that is partner in Costa Rica. So you loan the money to 879 and 879 writes you an agreement, pays you the interest monthly, sends you a T5 in February, and at the end, will give you back your money and your lender's fee. And then 879 takes that money and wires it over to Costa Rica. What that means is that you don't need to go to your accountant and ask them, oh, what am I going to do with my income from outside the country? You're not. You're putting the money in an RBC account in Canada. That RBC account will pay you some interest, will send you a T5. And at the end of the year, when the money comes back in that account, it goes back to you. You're not investing outside the country. It's a Canadian investment. So it will, yeah, exactly the same as if you were buy, doing something in uh, Hamilton. Yeah, it makes it so much easier from tax point of view, right? Yes. Now, having said that, once the houses are ready, um, anybody who participated and helped, they will be the first to hear, okay, so we're three months away or we're four months away from this to be finished. This is the price. And there's a special price for the people who were there, the the original uh, investors and and et cetera, et cetera. So now at that point, somebody can say, yeah, you know what? This is a great location on the beach, beautiful house. I want to buy one of these, fine. But that now has nothing to do with me. Now you'll be doing dealing with the developer and the builder. But right now in preparation for those houses to be ready for sale, we are looking at uh, t- 10 to 12 month loans with the return that I mentioned earlier. And again, this is monies that's going into Canada it's not a, you're not investing outside the country. Okay. Um, thinking about risk for a transaction like that, what would you say are some of the risks if there were any, any like, you know, investments are risky in itself, but what could potential risk be there in terms of um, people not getting that money back or uh, because ultimately it is outside of, you know, Canadian soil? Yes. However, uh, yeah, you're you're right. However, um, for each property, for example, right now we're doing uh, raising funds for Mar Vista. So, the corporation in the developer in in Costa Rica issues a number of shares, and then you get a percentage of those shares in the project, mm-hmm. and those shares are held in escrow. Okay, and at the end. Basically, when 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 the uh, when the money comes back to you, it's to for you to buy to to liquidate the shares, and and that's how you get your money back, and that's how the developer now can sell the house to somebody because the shares are, of course, attached to the for lack of a better word, title for the land. So he has no choice; he has to pay you back to, to get rid of the shares so that he can now sell the house to Joe Blow, and Joe Blow can take possession. So. Yes, there's always risk in real estate. Of course, there's always risk. But again, not being in Nicaragua, not being in Guatemala, not being in Venezuela, not being in Mexico, not being in uh, whatever, any of these countries, um, being in, in, in Costa Rica, even though, yes, your money is going to eventually end up in in, in Costa Rica outside the country. Um, to me, this is the least amount of, of risk there is. And that's why when earlier when we said investing outside Canada and I corrected myself and you at the same time, not all, not investing outside Canada, investing in Costa Rica. Very specific. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, perfect. Thanks so much for sharing that. It kind of makes sense now. 
Um, final comments. Uh, if people have more questions about Costa Rica, they are more curious and want to discuss about these opportunities. How can they reach out to you? What's the best way to connect with you? Well, the best way is uh, we have a website where there's actually a page with some information about Costa Rica, some pictures, and I keep adding information there. And then if people look at that and say, oh, this is interesting, then click on the button that says contact us. And then I'll get an email and I will immediately respond. I mean, I'm, I, I am very, very, uh, yes, very responsive to emails that come in uh, very quickly. You absolutely. And the web. <laughs> so should I give you, should I give you the URL? Yep. That'd be great. Okay. www. Nobody, you, do you remember? No, you're too young. You don't remember at one time it was HTTP yes. colon slash forward slash forward. <laughs> www. Not. Then the HTTP went away. And now for a while we were saying, well, www. And now we don't even say that. Okay. So the, the URL is S A S R E I G S A S R E I G dot com. That's it. Okay. Sounds good. We'll have that on our show notes. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Daniel. I really appreciate your time today. This is, uh, this is amazing. It's learned quite a bit about Costa Rica. So thanks for your time. Thank you very much for having me. And uh, hopefully maybe one day we can be sharing a drink. Uh, your, your partner, my wife and you in somewhere in Costa Rica in one of those developments and uh, have some fun doing it. I hope so too. Soon. All right. <laughs> All right. Thank you. All right, now that wraps up our conversation with Daniel. What an incredible journey exploring the ins and outs of uh, real estate and entrepreneurship with a special focus on the unique opportunities in the beautiful landscapes of Costa Rica. I can't wait to explore more opportunities there. And a heartfelt thank you to Daniel for sharing his wealth of knowledge and shedding light on why Costa Rica has become such an appealing destination for real estate investment. If you enjoyed today's episode and found value in today's discussion, be sure to subscribe to our podcast, Canadian Real Estate 101, for more engaging conversations with the industry experts. As you navigate the exciting world of real estate, remember that every episode on our podcast is designed to empower you with the knowledge you need. Until next time, happy investing and take care.